It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I'm going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we are going to answer your questions. We are on a a three-day-a-week schedule until training camp, and that's actually going to be sooner than we thought, at least in a way, and I'll explain that in just a second. We have... Some big interviews coming up. Shannon Sullivan, Packers defensive back, who is awesome, by the way, recorded that conversation last week. Get excited for him. He is a very impressive guy. And also, uh, a little bit different kind of thing. Uh, a lot of people wrote in and said, hey, I really enjoyed the the episode with Nick Vile because he was a fan, not an analyst. And he was just naturally passionate about the Packers. So... I reached out to Packers superfan Zach Walls, who also happens to be an Iowa State senator, and we talked about the Packers. We talked about the looming issues with the coronavirus because he's dealing with it in Iowa and dealing with it with what is the University of Iowa going to do, and so he has specific and useful insight on what that could all look like, what the impacts could be if we can't have college football, for example. So that is something that we will also talk about with him. And then, as I said, we're going to get to your questions later on in the show. But let's start today with a little bit of news. Over the weekend, the Green Bay Packers announced to season ticket holders that they were going to be limiting the number of fans in seats, assuming that's something that is going to happen, and that all fans will be asked to wear face coverings, not asked, required to wear masks in the stadium. And this comes, of course, in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic that is seeing case rise after case rise around the country, Um, certainly not everywhere, but in plenty of places. And Wisconsin has been one of those places where case numbers had been creeping up. The Packers, like any NFL team, have to have a plan here. And as Mark Murphy said over the weekend, the time is running out. 
you know, three months ago, the Packers and all the teams had plenty of time to figure it out. Okay, what are we going to do? What is it going to look like? Okay, this is the contingency plan. They're not going to be guaranteed seats. If you want to give up your seats for this season, you can just for this season. They're doing away with gold and green packages, according to reports. So, so it's going to be very different, assuming fans are around this year. And that means fans are going to have to be safe. It means they're going to have to be respectful of all of these rules because what you don't want is for these events to become events that turn into super spreader events. And all of a sudden, you see case spikes two weeks after opening day because, oh, yeah, everyone is at Lambeau Field. Obviously, that's not what you're looking for. This is a step in the right direction for the Packers, and I think ultimately a step toward what is going to be, in my opinion, a season without fans. It just doesn't seem feasible to do with fans at this point. They're already selling stadium seats to advertisers to take up spots, um, in part to recoup revenue that they know they're not going to get, and because if they're not going to have fans, and it seems like they're going to seriously reduce the, the number of fans at these games, then you have to try and recuperate that revenue some other way. The other side of this is how everything is going to shake out with the players. And we got a little bit more insight there from Mark Murphy as well because training camp for the Packers is going to open for veterans July 28th. For rookies, it's going to open July 21st. And this is something Matt LaFleur hinted at, that he might start early for rookies and let veterans come a week later so you still get a rookie camp. You still get that opportunity to work just with the rookies to get in the playbook. And and what's interesting about this is it's never been done like this before. And usually you're doing installs and you're going over terminology and verbiage and details. But the Packers already got the chance to do that. They already had these guys in the building. Rookie camp is usually like a week or two after the draft. You're already in the building and getting to work. So there's basically no prep time. No prep time. And these guys are thrown into the fire. What I wonder is, are some of these fringe roster guys with more time to prepare going to stand out a little bit more? Are you going to be able to see more clearly right away from these rookies? Okay, this guy gets it, this guy doesn't. And then you're building this momentum into training camp. So it's not, oh, the rookies have this extra time and then they they go into OTAs and then it's six weeks, two months off. And you have to trust them to keep it all in their brain. Here, it's all just one big classroom session. You get that first week. You get them in the building. You get them working out. But you also, you get them in the classroom. You get them implementing the packages, the plays, the concepts, everything that you have to do in rookie camp, only they have a head start. Now, they're not quite veterans. It's not like, oh, they're up to speed already. No, they still have to figure out a lot. And there's still going to be a ratcheting up of the intensity once training camp starts because the veterans bring a different level of quality, a different level of play. So if you're Jordan Love... You may look great against the other rookies, but then training camp starts and all of a sudden you got to try and complete passes against Jair Alexander and Kevin King, and that's a different beast. But he gets the benefit 
of going out there and getting to run the playbook after having months to study it. Months to study it, not days. And he gets to ask questions in these digital sessions. He gets to see Aaron Rodgers ask questions and have conversations. And he gets to, he gets to absorb all of that information. And then he gets to implement it. So he got a, a grace period, basically, but not just that, a ramping up period. He got summer school for the first day of school. It's like, you know, summer school is usually to catch up after the fact. This is before the fact. You, you go out there and you're taking math class. It's like if you have algebra in the fall, you're going to take pre-algebra to get ready for algebra come September 1st or whenever school starts. I, I assume that's how I honestly don't know how summer school I never I'm, luckily never had to take summer school but I assume it's after the fact I'm gonna assume that either way <laughs> this is the metaphor here he got the cliff notes version already and so now he's gonna have to go read the book but he already knows the story he already knows what's happening he knows what's going on he's gonna have to ratchet up the intensity and this is not just Jordan Love I don't want to make every podcast about Jordan Love same for A.J. Dillon, same for John Runyon Jr., same for Jake, all these guys. And, and same for Devin Funchess, same for Christian Kirksey, same for Rick Wagner. It's not just the rookies who benefit because all of these veterans got to go through the process. Now, they're not going to training camp early. But then when they get to training camp, they got to go through this classroom process that in some ways is more thorough or at least more detail-oriented in, in certain respects than they would otherwise have. And in OTAs, you have to deal with rookie reps. Mental reps, you don't have to do that. Everyone is getting the reps when you're doing digital. When you do e-learning, everyone's getting the reps every time. So this is something that I, I'm going to be very interested to see how this transpires. Who does it help? Who does it not help? Because I do think it could help. I do think it could help some rookies be more prepared for training camp than they would otherwise be in a normal year, even without a rookie camp, specifically because their rookie camp is going to be right before. I think that's a benefit. And because they get to have a rookie camp with so much more understanding of what the playbook is and what is expected because they're already in the room with veterans. They're already... in. A.J. Dillon got to be in the room with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Not physically in the room. He got to be in the digital room. And they get to be in meetings together. And you get to see how someone goes about his business. Those are fringe benefits. But they're still potential benefits for the rookies that could pay off for the Packers down the line. And if you want the benefit of all the information that you lack when it comes to buying car parts, but you don't want the hassle. You don't want the condescension that you get from the guy behind the counter. You don't want the insecurity that you might feel from going to the auto parts store and having no idea what you're talking about. That's me. I'm that guy. I, I would walk into that store and go, what do I do? And if, if that's like you, rockauto.com has you covered because they carry everything. You don't have to argue with the guy over what part you want, what part they might have. You point, you click, 
you buy. You don't have to wander aisles and aisles. They have everything there for you on the website, and it's already at its lowest possible price. Not one price for do-it-yourselfers and one price for professional mechanics. No login to get into special deal zones. No, rockauto.com wants everyone to have the lowest price they can get. Right now, right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you rockauto.com reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store all right i want to get to some of your questions and this was one i got a couple different times kind of surprising um, and I think it's it's useful here because there's actually information and it's not just to take. Um, so uh, Alien UFO asked, I also got this question on the Locked on Packers fan hotline a couple times, but this was just in my DM, so it was easier to grab before the show. You mentioned on the show today that it's possible they do an uncapped year due to COVID to avoid the salary cap dropping. Wouldn't that make it easier from a financial perspective, to trade Aaron Rodgers during the season if they feel love is ready to start? Or do you think there would be a rule in place to mitigate that kind of thing? So this is intuitive, right? If there's no cap, then the Packers can spend as much money as they want. They can eat a bunch of money. They can front load deals when they sign stuff next offseason. It makes sense. Here's the problem. This just happened. The last CBA before it was signed, involved a uncapped season. And the Cowboys and the soon-to-be Washington Warriors each got fined by the NFL for going over a, a specific amount. There was no cap, but I guess they used some sort of formula to determine what the reasonable cap would have been. It, It was a whole thing. And they got fined. They got fined for essentially flaunting the rules. And this is something that I assume teams are aware of. You would hope teams are aware of it because it did happen. So in in a way, okay, you can say, okay, they eat the money. If they don't go crazy over, you know, let's just say they bump right up to the cap or go just a skosh over. Maybe you just say, hey, if we get fined, we get fined. And I'd, I, we can take the money in a year when there's a new, uh, when there's a salary cap, uh, or we cannot. And in 2022, there could be a new rights deal, and the cap could jump, and maybe they do smoothing. There's a lot of different things that can go on here. But the the point, the moral of the story, is they can't really just say, well, the salary cap doesn't exist, so 
just spend whatever. Now, we've talked about on the show before why it could make sense to eat the whole enchilada up front because then you eat it all and it's not on your books after 2021. There is some appeal to that. And so if you can manage the rest of your roster, you know, you have an uncapped season, you avoid the salary cap dropping precipitously, you sign David Bakhtiari, you sign Kenny Clark, you extend Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones decides that he's going to come back on a team-friendly deal, and the salary cap doesn't matter, you've done your thing, now Jordan Love is your quarterback. That's, That's reasonable. You could do that. They can do that anyway. So the fact that you know, they, they can do that anyway doesn't necessarily make it easier or harder to do in an uncapped season, but it doesn't mean that spending restrictions are just out the window. It doesn't mean, oh, they can just do whatever now. They can trade Aaron Rodgers and go and, and you know, trade for Julio Jones and his top-of-market contract or anything like that. They, they can't really do that, and I, I think it is something that the NFL would say hey, if you don't stay within 10% of the projected cap, then you're going to get fined. We're going to have an uncapped season, but it's only uncapped in contractual terms. So it's only uncapped in theory, basically. And in practice, it's not. In practice, there is going to be reasonable restrictions on what teams can do. That would be my guess of how they would structure this. And it, it is something that, you know, I, I think is, is likely given what's going on right now and given the likely drop in revenue because you don't want the, the cap to just nosedive. So I, I don't see cap being an issue next offseason for the Packers, and I don't see it be a driving force behind a lot of the moves that they make. I think the Aaron Jones is going to be cost in a vacuum. I don't think it's going to be, oh, well, can't afford to sign him because of the cap. No, as Andrew Brand always says, If they wanted to sign you, they would sign you. The cap is an illusion. All right, this was a fun question from Robin Lawrence. You can take any flop that's been on the team and obviously didn't make it and transform them to their ceiling potential. A Dayton Jones dominating the line, a Demarius Randall as a lockdown back, Ty Montgomery rushing for 1,400 yards, etc. Who do you pick to make the biggest impact? I think there are a couple answers here. And what's interesting is I I think one of them might actually be on the team. My first thought was Kevin King, not because he's a flop. So I'm, I'm cheating the question here a little bit. But because if he reaches his ceiling, his ceiling because of his size and athletic ability is a really, really good cornerback, albeit in a very specific kind of way. If he can get the mental part of the game down, if he can stay on the field and keep his consistency up, this secondary can be deadly, and secondaries are incredibly important. And and I think that that, in terms of the biggest impact, it would be there. Now, the other part of this is what are the places that this team lacks? The team has Kevin King, and if he plays well, he can still be a good player. Even if he just plays okay, he's useful. They don't have a slot receiver who could also play running back, who could also return kicks, 
and is a threat in the passing game, could do some stuff in the run game. You run jet sweeps. You run orbit motion. You do all kinds of stuff with Ty Montgomery. And I just love what he could be in Matt LaFleur's offense. You watch Deion Lewis the year that they were with the Titans. And you just go, yeah, Ty Montgomery could have been all this stuff. Pass catching back, split him out, create matchup problems. All the stuff we saw in flashes. He can do all the running back stuff. We know he can have big games as a running back. He was explosive, a dynamic player. Not a consistent player, but a dynamic one. If you get the guy who can do all that stuff in the flashes and get him to do it consistently, you have a dynamic player in an offense that doesn't have a guy like him. You know, you know, the closest guy to him really is Aaron Jones, but Montgomery is obviously a more polished receiver and a better route runner and all that stuff. And I think just straight line speed is probably faster as well, has a little bit better down the field ability. So, okay, he can play in the slot. Okay, he can play outside. Okay, he can play in the backfield. He can return. He can do the specials for you. I love that in this offense. And it's a shame that he had to be traded a year before Matt LaFleur got to town. In fact, just a couple months before Matt LaFleur got to town because I think Matt LaFleur would have loved Ty Montgomery, would have loved deploying him, and the Packers probably wouldn't have A.J. Dillon on their roster right now if Ty Montgomery were still a Packer. Now, of course, that would require you know contracts and all that stuff. But I, I think Ty Montgomery is the kind of guy who, if he had reached his peak ceiling with his dynamic talent in the run and pass game, that is so valuable. You know, is he a receiver? Is he a running back? Who cares? He's a weapon. All of the ways Tyler Irvin can do cool stuff, you can do cool stuff even more with Ty Montgomery because of the receiving ability. And I think that would be just such a cool wrinkle for this offense, plus a big playability that the Packers don't have. I think it'd be fun, and it, it could have happened. It was very close to happening, in fact. And if you want to have some fun, Bobbles Galore is a great place to do it. They're a leading bobblehead retailer with a vast inventory of bobbleheads from all the major sports leagues, including the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks, because they're officially licensed by the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL right now. In limited quantities, we're talking individually numbered bobbles. They've got a triple MVP Wisconsin puzzle bobblehead that showcases Giannis and Tedekumbo, Aaron Rodgers, Christian Yelich. It's unlike anything you have seen before. They also, NBA season, going to be here before you know it. They have a limited edition Greek flag Giannis bobblehead with an augmented reality experience via Bobble Galore's unique. AR Bobbles app. They also have a super friendly chat feature, so they're always there to answer questions when you need them. Bobbles Galore can also make custom bobbleheads for any occasion or event. Go to bobblesgalore.com and use the promo code locked on to get free shipping. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football here on the Locked On Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats. You can pick from main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. 
And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, so I want to finish up with this. Uh, Nathaniel from Maryland left a, a very long voicemail. And so I'm not going to play the whole voicemail. I appreciate it, Nathaniel. But I really liked the question, and, and he pushed back a little bit. He knows that I think Mike Patton is a good coach. I've said as much. And his point is basically, how do you know? How do you know Mike Patton is a good coach? A couple things here. We go back to his pedigree. And Rex Ryan had him, was his right-hand man for some really good Jets teams. Then Mike Patton was also there in Buffalo with Rex Ryan and a really good defense. And then gets the shot in, then gets his shot in Cleveland. And no, was that a was that a great team? No, but his players really liked him, and he did actually build a, a quality defense. When he's had good players, he's built a really good defense, and part of that is because his defense requires some institutional knowledge. Most defenses do, and it requires disguise. And so, what I like about Mike Patton, number one, I think he has the right mindset. He does not have the kind of outdated, we have to stop the run first mindset. That was a Mike McCarthy thing. We have to run the ball and we have to stop the run. Did he actually believe that or did he just like saying that? I don't know because he never actually ran the ball. So who knows? But Mike Patton's belief that the passing game hurts you more than the run game is supported by all of the data. All the data. You don't have to be a math wizard, and I'm not, to know that the average pass is way more harmful than the average run. And so stopping the opponent passing game is just more important. And Mike Patton is one of the few coaches willing to flat out say that. I also like to hear how top veterans talk about their coach. Not the young guys, not the, you know, the guys trying to figure it out, the young superstars who maybe like to be coddled a little bit more. No, how do the veterans talk about the coach? How does Tremont Williams talk about Mike Patton? How does, you know, Christian Kirksey is not a young guy, but he's not a flashy guy. He's a no-nonsense, hard-hat veteran guy. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, those guys, they came in, veteran players. They immediately vibed with Mike Patton, and they immediately created roles that worked on this defense. Mike Patton, just think about what he did. In one offseason, this team went from one of the worst defenses in the league to overall an average defense and a good defense against the pass. Now, they added some big pieces, but Mike Patton found a way to utilize them, to maximize them. Zedaria Smith had never been anything close to this over 16 games, had never been anything close to what we saw last year. Now, he, saw, he was it in, in flashes. You know, his pressure rate numbers were always good. And he was a you know graded well by PFF, but he didn't get a ton of opportunities. And he had to have a coach that said, I believe you can do all of these things. Mike Patton did that. 
And Preston Smith, same thing. He didn't drop a ton in Washington. Mike Patton said, I think you can do this. He started doing it. Turns out he's good at it. So I think when you can be adaptive and you can mold a defense based on what your team is good at and you're molding a defense that fits the modern NFL in terms of philosophy, that's when I think you're a good coach. Do I think he's one of the three or four best defensive coordinators in the league? No, but only because Bill Belichick exists, Brian Flores exists, Todd Bowles exists. I mean, there are some really, really, really high-level defensive coaches. I think Mike Patton is one of the better defensive coaches in football. I think he's a top eight defensive coordinator probably. And I think he has a chance to build a really good defense. I think this defense this season by DVOA can be a top five type unit, a top 10 unit certainly. And I I think you're going to see some leaps from some of these players. I think you're going to see a defense that once again excels in the passing game, excels creating pressure, and excels creating pressure with three and four rushers. That That's the thing. If you want any stat that says a coach is a good defensive coach, find me the coach that can create pressure with three. Three. You say you hate a three-man rush? Okay, I'll show you Mike Patton, who can create pressure with three-man rushes because he'll show eight-man pressure and only bring three. And guess what? He'll still get home. Led the league in three-man pressure last year. One of the best four-man pressure defenses in the league because of what he can do with disguising and because, hey, he's got three really, really good pass rushers who can win one-on-one battles. Sometimes coaching is just getting out of the way. Just let your guys do the thing. Not having so much of an ego that you want them to fit into a system or you want all the credit. No, just let them go out and do the thing. All right, we got a lot Coming up three days a week this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're going to do that until training camp opens. So make sure you are subscribed iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-321. 3775 to stay locked on Packers.